What's going on, everybody? Thank you for joining us in the special content that we're bringing to you as a result of Benfica's 118th year anniversary. My name is Alfredo Fumasic. With me, as always, Cristiano Oliveira. We're very excited about uh, about the guest we're bringing you tonight. Uh, he is a, a man that has his name etched in Premier League history as not only the only the first player to score an official goal, but the first player to score a hat trick uh, in the Premier League history. Um, he has three caps for England at Benfica. He arrived in the middle of the 97-98 season, appeared in 24 games, scored eight goals, wearing the number 28 for that season. We're very excited, ladies and gentlemen, Brian Dean. How are you, Brian? I'm good, thanks. How are you guys? All right? Doing great. Yeah. Thank you very much for, for taking the time and speaking to us here a few minutes. Um, it's an absolute pleasure. Every time we get to talk to a former Benfica player here on Benfica Independent Benfica podcast, it's exhilarating. So thank you very much. And thank you for considering Benfica at the time. Those were not the best times for Benfica. And you had the guts to bring your talents over to Lisboa and try to help us out. And, you know, every time we did something good, you made us proud. You gave us a reason to smile. And there weren't a lot of reasons to smile at the time. So thank you very much, Brian. And, uh, once again, I like to kick things off, um, uh, you know, with the with the one question that everybody's, you know, wondering, how did the opportunity arise of you joining Benfica? Is this something that was in the works? Had you thought about this before? Did an opportunity like this arise before or just spur of the moment? You know, how, how'd this come about? So, so I, uh, when I left Leeds United, I, I went back to Sheffield United, but um, I nearly went to Holland to play for Feyenoord, but the deal wasn't right for me and I didn't feel comfortable um so so i went back to sheffield united um but previous to that you know i'd, I'd almost gone to italy in 1990 and then there was some um there's some interest from france as well uh but it never materialized and i always kind of really wanted to go and try my look abroad because you know i was a guy who fell in love with the uh, world cup and especially you know the, the Brazil team of uh, 1982, um, there was just something about playing in a different country that was that appealed to me. And uh, <clears throat> I felt that my style would, would actually suit playing abroad. Although, you know, people very stereotypically sort of like look at me at six foot three and think, well, you know, he's just a, a, a guy who you put in the box, you know, but my game was a lot different to that, you know, I was, I was quite mobile. I used to like to run with the ball. Um, so yeah, it was, um, it, when, when the opportunity came to, to Benfica, I mean, look, everybody knows Benfica, you know, um, you know, for me, it was a case of, well, obviously there was some nerves because I knew how big the club was. Um, but you know, it was, for me, it was a case of now or never. And I, I didn't want to, pass an opportunity up that was actually solid in front of me and then have regrets later on in my life. <laughs> Did I know what I was getting into? Not necessarily so, but, you know, as a player, you just think about football. You don't think about the politics. And, um, you know, certainly I was, you know, I was 29 at the time. Yeah. And, um, you know, for me, it was about, you know, making stories. Um, so, it wasn't hard from that point of view. You know, I knew the English league. I knew that I could cut it, but it was about trying something else. And we don't get a lot of players from our country um, actually go and play abroad. And, um, you know, that's why I felt that, you know, I wanted to be a little bit different. Yeah. Did you, uh, at the time, Graham Sonis was the was the coach for Benfica. Did you get a chance to speak to Graham Sonis? And what did he tell you in terms of what kind of role and how you could contribute to this Benfica team? So, so I met Graham um, just for talks, really, on the day that I signed. Um, and, you know, he, he said, look, you know, the, 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 the club and the team is woefully underperforming. Um, and, you know, I feel that there's an opportunity. I think at the time we were in about seventh or eighth place in the league. Yep. And um, for me, it was, look, in, in, in when you have a club like Benfica and they're in that kind of position, there's always something wrong and it needs a change. And um, 
Yeah, I think Graham kind of saw me as somebody who was different, a different kind of problem to, you know, what players were used to playing against at the time. Um, and, and that was quite reassuring. You know, it's Graham's, Graham's somebody who everybody respects because of what he's done in the game. Um, so I kind of, the fact that he was an English manager, not an English, a British manager, um, made me feel comfortable. Um, so, so, so yeah, it was, I thought, look, it's an adventure. It's an opportunity. I can always go back to England. And, um, so yeah, it was, it was no issue for me really. Now, Brian, before joining Benfica, you're a guy that obviously had tremendous experience in the Premier League, as Alfredo mentioned, scoring first goal, hat-trick. You had success in that league. He played in such beautiful stadiums as the old Wembley, old Trafford, Anfield. Just to mention a few. With that in mind, what was your first impression of Steyer lose the old one? And, you know, and, and overall, your first impression of of Lisbon and, and the whole team when, when you arrived? Yeah, I mean, look, it, it, you know, as, as a guy, I don't know what it's like now, but it was, you know, one of the famous stadiums. You know, of course, when it looks different when it's full. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, we, we trained on the we trained and it was quite dilapidated. But, you know, I, I remember looking around the stadium and thinking, wow, you can get 100,000 people in here, you know. And um, like I said, when, when that stadium was full, it was bouncing, you know, so... It was, you know, obviously, yeah, I was in a very comfortable place going to places like Newcastle, Liverpool, um, Arsenal, Manchester United. I had no idea what the stadiums would look like in, in Portugal. But again, you know, for me, it was it was an opportunity to um, to kind of further develop myself, I suppose, as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, I don't I don't think that, well, there's no need because everybody chases the money here in England. And, um, you know, don't get me wrong. You know, when when you think about, you know, who you're playing against, I just felt that it was something I couldn't turn down because it's like going and playing for AC Milan. Yeah. It's like going and playing for Atletico Madrid, Barcelona. You know, it's the same Real Madrid. It's, it's the same thing. You don't go to think about what stadiums you're going to play in. You're going to go to play for the club. Right. Now, Brian, let me ask you a quick question before Alfredo jumps in. When you made the decision to join Benfica, did some of your teammates, some of your colleagues in the Premier League, did they think you were crazy? Or, or, or you know, was there a lot of attention on you at that time? Or did everybody look at it as a great opportunity for you? You don't talk to people. You know, it was a, it was my decision. You know, I, I, I was the one who... Ultimately, I could have turned it down. I could have stayed at, I could have stayed at Sheffield United, and um, I would have been playing back in the Premier League, anyway, you know. But um, I didn't know what to expect. I, I kind of, in many ways, I, I kind of joined and and went through the process, kind of not knowing what to expect. It was just the fact that I was going out to Lisbon. I was um, playing in a in another country for one of the giants of, of European football. And I think that was, I'd, I'd already done everything from the point of view of playing at Anfield and Old Trafford. And this was going to be something else. I think the other thing that I probably not mentioned that I should mention was my plan personally was to go from Benfica to maybe Spain or Italy anyway. Um, and unfortunately that didn't work out, but I didn't want to go back to England at that particular time. I had a, I had, I was on a kind of, um, I felt that, you know, if I could do well in, um, in, in Portugal, then I could get another move perhaps into Spain. You know, you know, the, you know, these were, I'm talking around the time when you had teams like Deportivo La Coruña, who yeah. were very good. Um, you had, um, you know, there were lots of different teams that were very good at that time in, and, and, and we were relatively, in, in Europe at the time, you know, English clubs weren't doing so well. So I felt that it was perhaps an opportunity to go out there, go and play for a big club, and then perhaps come back at an even higher level in the country. Yeah. Now, now Brian, you arrived at, at a locker room with quite, quite a few known footballers like Michel Perdome. <laughs> Carol Proborski, João Pinto, 
What was your first impression of the squad and their quality? Yeah, I mean, you've just mentioned a lot of those guys were internationals, you know, Carlos Germara as well. And, um, you know, you had the Moroccans, El Tahej, Mbibi, um, you know. So yep. it for me, it was, it was great because I thought, wow, you know, I'm now playing with the, you know, I felt that I was at that level, you know, but I felt that also it was going to take a little bit of time to perhaps get used to, the play and my teammates and everything, but I definitely felt I was, I could play at a level, you know, it was just a case of coming and settling in. Now you arrived and, and relatively quickly, you got thrown into the fire. You got thrown into a Lisbon Derby playing against Sporting, a tremendous victory, four to one by the Aguias. You got on the score sheet. Any memories of that game? Anything you still, you still hold on to till this day? Of course, I mean, you know, like you say, it was a very hostile environment, but it was a brilliant game to play. You know, the pitch was good. Um, it was it was a Friday night. Um, you know, the ball was moving very quickly. We were passing the ball very well. You know, some good interchanging of passing. And, um, yeah, I think that the main thing from my point of view was the goal that I scored, you know, because it, it was it was a kind of goal that I kind of, I dreamt about, you know, it was like, you know, I talk about the 82 World Cup team, you know, and um, you know, to run through how I did and then just flick the ball over the goalkeeper and then run away was, you know, it was, yeah, that, those, were the, those were the kind of people who inspired me, you know, Kareka, um, Socrates, um, you know, it was, it was that kind of era of football that, you know, it, when you're playing in England, you always looked and thought, you know, the, I think the Italian league was probably the strongest yeah. at that time. Serie And, um, you know, it was about, you know, as a, as, a, as, a, as a player, you always want to challenge yourself against the best, you know, you want to, you want to face the best players. Um, you know, we, I don't know if it's the same now, but, you know, we always wanted to challenge, um, challenge the best players be around and, and and conquer the best players that that was you know that's that's how we grew up as kids you know yeah, yeah. that that season you also faced porto and and scored in a three nil win by benfica at Stade de luge what do you recall that game because that was your first big game at Stade de luge a classical at Stade de luge what, what do you recall from that game against porto well we we totally dominated them um, again, it was a beautiful day. The stadium was relatively full and um, it, it was one of the best goals I've ever scored. Um, you know, it was for me, it was again, it was, it was living that dream that I'd, I'd mentioned to you before about scoring those types of goals on a European um, platform. And, um, you know, this is, these are the kind of things that, you know, when I look back, it's not just about financially. It's about what dreams you take to the grave, you know, what you remember about when you pull the shirt on. And um, without those memories, I could have had nine months of just playing in a Premier League team. Anything could have happened. But I have memories of, of, of kind of, you know, coming and playing in a full stadium in front of, you know, one of the big games in Europe and scoring a goal like I did. I mean... You know, we don't always blow our own trumpet, but when I when I look back and I look at the goal that I actually scored that day, it was magical for me personally. Yeah. You know, and and nobody will be able to take that away from me ever. Yeah, absolutely, no absolutely, that's fantastic. Um, Porto, Benfica, and Porto and Sporting, I should say, they've been and Benfica has been battling these guys for a long, long time. Huge rivals. Did someone at the club, as you joined, did they explain to you about these rivalries? Did you get some type of pep talk or it was just you're on your own, you figured it out on your own that these were the teams that you had to beat in front of you? Well, you, you, we always know that it's a more or less a three-horse race in, um, in, in, in Portugal. But it's like I said, I played in big games. You know, I played for my country. Um, you know, Kalpa Bosk. You know, it, it's, uh, you know, I think the, the most... 
nerve-wracking thing about playing for Benfica was on the way to the game, yeah, and the coach is going to the stadium and there's nothing but Benfica fans there, yeah, and you're literally going through these, going driving down the street on the coach and all the fans are clapping and that's responsibility right there. You you're know, giving me the goosebumps. Is, you're giving me goosebumps. Yeah, that, that is the scariest thing for me. You know, it wasn't anything else. It was the expectation of the fans. You know, they were all, you know, come on, come on, come on. And you're like, can't let anybody down. And and I could visibly see the players. We were like, you know, it was like, can't let these people down. And And we always had more supporters in the stadiums than the home team. And, um, you know, these were, there was a lot of responsibility and you needed character. You know, you needed character to come through those situations. I learned pretty quickly because, you know, that the, 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 um, the journalists could be quite brutal. You know, I, I literally, like you say, I got, I got thrown into my first game and I think I, we drew one all and I, I think I set up Erwin Sanchez to score our yeah. goal. Camp, Camp Mayorens. That's right, yeah. Um, I didn't know what to expect. You know, the pitch was the pitch was terrible. It was muddy, um, small, and you know, all of a sudden now I've got I've got defenders trying to you know foul me anytime I went even went near the ball. Never mind, got a touch of the ball, and and it was brutal. And after the game, I remember that the the the, the uh, journalist came up and they asked me some questions about you know. You said something about my touch and stuff, and I was I was thinking, well, I don't even know my teammates. We don't speak the same language, and you're talking to me about English players not being as good technically as Portuguese players, and it was it was really really tough because I thought, well, I, I don't know anything about the tempo. I don't know anything about what kind of space you have to make for yourself. You know, I just kind of, I was, I didn't even remember, I didn't even know all the names of my teammates. I, I hadn't memorized them yet, you know, so it was, it was tough. Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, what, what are the memories do you have of, uh, of Portugal in, in that time? that kind of stuck out to you, even though it might not be a, it might be a meaningless memory for somebody else, but for you has always stayed with you. Listen, nothing was meaningless about um, my time in Portugal. Um, you know, it was, I think, just be, being playing football in that climate, you know, um, living by the beach, you know, after training, you know, I usually used to go and I'd go to one of the restaurants by the sea and I'd have I'd have grilled sea bass with garlic, butter, potatoes. <laughs> and I'd just be sat there with my sunglasses on and um, I'd be thinking, this is like, I don't believe this. You know, I'm in the T-shirt in January, February. And um, I was thinking that, you know, what's the catch? <laughs> you know, <what> <laughs> and, and, and so... You know, I have nothing, you know, look, look, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that everything went brilliantly well because there were some issues in the club. You know, but as I've got older, you know, I've learned to kind of cherish certain things. And, you know, they say youth is wasted on the young because when you are older, you get time to reflect and understand the moments that you were in. And... You know, those were great moments, even though there were a lot of issues going on in the background. And, you know, there were some people who shouldn't have been involved in the club there, but were. Um, I can't complain. You know, I ended up having a, a very long career and, and that was part of my career as well. Yeah. You know, you mentioned that, that you like to go out to restaurants in Portugal and it brought back a memory. Uh, if I don't recall, I think there was a story about this not too long ago when the Portuguese papers about a, a you know story that you were out having a good old time and Benfica fans approached you and 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 they kind of told you, you should go home. I guess there's an important game coming. Is there is there any truth to that story or am I, am I just making things up in my head? 
no, it's it's a true story, but I was injured anyway. Okay. <laughs> I'd, uh, I'd, I'd ruptured my um, I ruptured my plantar fascia. Oof! I had that happen too. Pink. Yeah, and um, you know, so I'd gone out. I think for some food. I think on a Friday, and I was in Dockers, You know, by Dockers, yeah. Mm -hmm. And yeah. and and I remember it was either there. I was in Boko doing Ferno. It was one of them two anyway. And um, I remember. Uh, you know, a, a fan came up and says, oh, Mr. Dean, Mr. Dean. I says, oh, hi. And he went, yes, yes. Uh, he looked at his watch and he went, uh, you know, you should, you should be home. I was like, well, yeah. But the thing is, I didn't, I didn't really understand. You know, I, I'd heard that, you know, players abroad don't go out. They live a monk-type existence. Um, and... You know, I took that on board. I mean, you know, looking back, I wasn't doing any harm. I was just having some food and stuff. But you know, it was it was it was a, it was the kind of what the Benfica fans expected from their team. You know, and I and I was a guest in the country. You know, and I had to had to give a good impression. I, I, you know, at the end of the day, I wasn't just representing me. I was representing. Um, you know, English football and English people, and um, I was, rep you know, so that's that's. I've always had that attitude. You know, that was, you know, my mum and my and my dad always kind of, you know, they made me. You know, I always had to have this kind of responsibility. You know, and I would never kind of tarnish the respect um, for the club at the time. I, I it just wasn't the kind of person I was. Could have been worse, Brian. Could have been in the iPhone era with the camera phones, and then your picture would have been all over the place. You know what I mean? So yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't doing <laughs> you weren't doing wrong. anything wrong. Yeah, exactly. That that's a great story, though. But yep. Fikistas, some of them take it to the extreme, and uh, yeah, that that was a funny one. Yeah, yeah. Brian, um, you left in October of '98, nine months after you arrived. Were there was there any interest to remain at the club? Was or was the return to the prem? something a little bit more appealing to you. You have already said there was some things going on internally with the club's directive. So I, I don't know if that was one of the catalysts to you want to leave. Yeah, it was, it was a catalyst to be honest, you know, it was, um, I think I'd got, you know, myself and the other players, it was, it, they just didn't want to, we didn't ever get paid. Yeah. You know, they, we, we used to, we used to find ourselves in a situation where, we never got paid for a month and you know sometimes we would um you know we'd, we'd go out and um we'd be like playing and like you know our wages were so late it was a joke yeah and i think i got to the point where i thought i've had enough and and rather than sort of like looking to go to move and go to Spain or where I thought, you know what, I just need to go back home because I'm putting so much effort in and I just feel like these, you know, the, the, the club's taking the mickey. Yeah. Understandable. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's, that's very unprofessional on their part. Uh, what were some of your favorite things, some of the unique things you found in Portugal? Did he freeze? A little bit. Ooh. Hello, everybody. Thank you for Hello. tuning in to Benfica Independent. Alfredo, Cristiano, hopefully he jumps back in and uh, we can it's continue not, this lovely not, chat. It's not live. Oh, no, I know, but I thought you were going to post the link. Yeah, to the video. Okay. Yep, there we go. Cool. Hey, did I say something wrong? No. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> you you spoke the truth. They didn't pay on time. They cut you off. <laughs> never paid on time. That's crazy. That's Just crazy. One second. Sure, sure, sure. We only got a few more. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead, Christian. <clears throat> Brian, what were some of the unique things you found about Portugal? Is there something that sticks in your mind to this day? Um, besides the weather, yeah, and the, and the fish, the butter, potatoes, yeah, because like before you gave me the goosebumps, now you're making me hungry. I mean, Brian, this is 
<laughs> so I, I love, you know what, right? I mean, I, I just love the culture out there. I love the fact that you have black people, white people, and there doesn't, you know, the mix is, it just seems natural, you know? Um, and, and that was one of the things that made me settle pretty quickly. You know, the kind of olive skin of people. And, you know, I just felt that, I felt at home, if I'm honest, you know? Yep. Um, and, and, I, and I've often said to my wife, you know, I, I could quite easily go and live in Portugal. I couldn't live in Spain. I, I could quite easily live with the culture in the in Portugal. Yep. Um, because I, I feel that I, I would feel quite comfortable. Um, yep. So it has... It has great memories for me, and you know, I, you know, I, you know, the like I said, the people and the demeanor of the people. You know, one of my one guy I've kept in touch with is Paulo Madeira, and um, you know, Paulo is a great, great guy. You know, he's got such a cool, cool way about him, and um, you know, he, he opened his house to me when I was studying for my pro license, and um, you know, it, it was just, it's, it's just nice. You know, um, yeah. I remember when I was when I was there, and um, when I when I first started traveling back home, you know, I would miss home, and then, you know, after about three four months, it just flipped, and I couldn't wait to come back to Portugal. <laughs> you know, um, you know the food. Every you know, I used to have the piri piri chicken up in Kashgai. Um, You know, there was a lovely Italian restaurant there, and it it, it was just. It was just great, you know. I, I was I was over there on my own at the time. Um, my, my my girlfriend at the time, you know, she stayed, um, you know. Um, but it was it's just a great great place, you know. Um, you know, being by the sea, I I can't look. I I can't sort of like turn around here and and say that. You know that that everything was right about football, but yeah. it was it was the the level of anxiety when playing was good because I learned a lot about crisis management, crisis in the middle of the game. You know, I was I was fortunate that um, I had a you know my strike partner was one of those guys who could score. You know nothing could be happening and then 30 seconds later the, the ball was in the back of the net and and if you're a forward it it you need somebody to help to take the pressure off you nuno was that player you know he, he yep. was it was amazing playing with him and um you know, i think we had a really good um connection so it you know when you're scoring goals you you know for me if i was scoring goals it wouldn't matter where i was i could have been on the moon you know but it was just great being in a place, playing for a, 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 a club that I could be proud of, you know, a club where, you know, coming back to England, you know, I'd done things that people wouldn't dare to do. You know, players players like to be in their own comfort zones and, and I'd done I'd come out of my comfort zone and I'd come to Portugal and I played for the biggest club over there. And uh, I, I was doing well, you know, I was building a reputation. I was scoring against the top teams. Uh, and, I, and I think that, you know, it was about, I understand when you go abroad, you have to earn the respect. And that was one of the things that meant a lot to me to get the respect of, you know, the fans and the, the players and the people, you know. So that, that was that was very important to me and it was, you know, it's part of my football journey. You know, I think it was just how my parents brought me up. Yep. Yep. It's wonderful. Yep. Um, Brian, favorite Portuguese dish. I've already told you, man. (laughs) Grilled sea bass, man, by the sea. Can't beat that. Closely followed by the Piri Piri. You know, but, <laughs> Frank but, but I also used to. I had a, had a thing that I think I became addicted because they 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 went when when I was there. I used to live right near next to the casino in Estoril, about five minutes drive in Kishkai, and um, they used they bought these um, they bought the chef over from um, where is it 
it's near Thailand. It's a, it's a form of Portuguese colony. Oh, um, gold. Macau. 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 Yeah, yeah. And and I used to go. Oh my god! I used to get a takeaway. Man, that food was somewhere else. And it got embarrassing because I'd be up there. Sometimes I'd be up there nearly every day. I'd be like, yeah, it's me again. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. It, was, it was great that's, food. You know? That's fantastic. I know you mentioned uh, you still stay in contact with Paulo Madeira. You mentioned Nuno Gomes. Do you, do you stay in contact with Nuno or any other of your former teammates have been figured during that time? I think um, the, the, it's, it's more or less Paulo and Nuno. We, we stay in touch on Instagram every now and again. We'll like each other. We'll ask how we are and, and so on. Um, you know, of course, Nuno came and played in England for a while as well. Had a great career, and I, and I followed him. Um, you know, but it's it's just nice to see that your teammates are doing well. You know, it's yeah. You know, pe people don't realize that it's it's a really tough career, football. You know, you get, you know, it's like an iceberg. You only see um, one fifth above the water. There's a lot going on, and um, you know, as a player, it's 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 tough trying to live up to the, you know, your your kind of persona every day. You know, you have off days, but you can't afford to mm -hmm. um, have these off days, you know? Yeah. But um, when was the last time, I, I'm assuming that you still followed the, the the club, albeit maybe a little bit from a distance and, and loosely, but when have you been to the, the new Stade de Luz? Yes, I came, um, I can't remember who the game was against, but I came over, uh, God, it was a while ago. Was it um, Setubal? I came over and, and um, I came over and watched the game, you know, with Paolo. Wow. And uh, yeah, the club, they treated me really well. I mean, they've got a fantastic lounge. The, the club is, the, the stadium is fantastic. And, um, you know, they really look after the, the players and... Um, it's a really good atmosphere. I don't know if it's changed or not, but um, you know the seats were good. The stadiums. It was. It was just a great experience, and um, you know I hope to. Um, I hope to get over there again sometime. I, I really want to come and have a look. Maybe take my wife. Um, you know, and just you know just have a little sort of like few days in Kashgar and and maybe Lisbon and. Um, no, because it, for, for me, it's like, it's almost like going back home, you know, it's, yeah. it's part of my history. And, um, you know, of course, I'd love to bring my kids there sometime and just show them, you know, where I was. And, you know, it's, you know, because I came a, became a father quite late, you know, so my kids won't really understand, um, you know, what I did and, and the time and so on. I've still got my jerseys and so on, but, you know, that, you know, by the time I, my, my son, grows up i'm gonna be you know he's you know there'll be such a distance yeah that it'll just be kind of videos that's why i asked you guys to sort something out for me so that he knows what his papa did you know so you we're, we're working on it we're working on it Brian. but listen you know? I, i'm gonna propose something whenever you go to portugal whenever you decide to go yeah. to portugal you let us know We'll do this live and in person at a cafe. We'll get a, okay. all the Benfiquistas to come out. We'll take pictures. We'll organize this. Maybe okay. you take us. To, we take us to Kashkais. We take you to the fan base. You know what I mean? So I think it's a good deal. It's a good deal. We drink some That's cold cool. ones, eat some snails. You like caracoles? Caracoles? No, no I don't. <laughs> I'll eat the snails. Don't worry about it. You drink the beer, I drink. I'll eat the snail. But we yeah. can arrange something. I'm pretty sure Benfica We could arrange something. It'd be an absolute thrill to have you with us. Um, since you went to this game, if you thought he's still my dad's hometown, by the way, one of my many hometowns, Alfredo tells everybody I got a lot of hometowns. Um, did you get an opportunity to go to the famed Seychelles, the Benfica's uh, academy, their, their, their practice, their, their training headquarters? No. Um, it's it's funny because I, as a guy, you know Pedro Marquez, yeah? Yeah. So Pedro did our A licenses together. Uh -huh. And... Um, we, you know, I keep meaning to, you know, if I come over, I want to come and, and see Pedro. The last time I spoke to Pedro, I says, um, I said, Pedro, who's, so tell me about some of these new players you got. I said, who's going to be the next player to go? And he said, it'll be João Felix. And he yeah. said a couple of others. And, uh, you know, obviously Felix went to Atletico Madrid. Mm -hmm. um, so, uh, yeah, it's, um, I've, I, 
I can imagine they've got some fantastic players there, you know? So add yeah. that to the list. We'll go have snails, beer, and then we'll go to Seychelles. We'll check out Seychelles and we get the tour. Look, we can do it all in one shot, Brian. Brian, what memories do you have of the fan base? Uh, they were, I mean, it was, look, you know, it, it goes without saying, you know, the, the fans, they're, they're crazy, but, in a, they're, you know, so passionate. It's, you know, I can imagine that half of Benfica's problems are that the fans are so passionate and want success so much that sometimes I, I, I would imagine if it was anything like then, you know, it's a lot of pressure on players and you have to have the right characters um, to, to be able to produce, you know. It, it's, you know, Benfica is almost... I remember there was, you know, in training every day, you know, that the journalists were there, the pressure was was really high. So, you know, this is a, this is a team that demands and the fans demand, um, you know, they demand results, you know. I, I was fortunate enough to um, to be in the company of Eusebio, and um, you know what a guy. You know, it's like he was so he was such a humble guy, and I, I almost, you know, I, I I was like I was scared to talk to him. I was scared to go near him. You know, I had that much respect for him that I was. And I, and it was it was good. It wasn't. He didn't. He had no airs and graces. He was just coming, see the guys. You know, we'd, he'd have some jokes. He couldn't speak English, of course. But <clears throat> I just kind of look at him and think, wow, that's the dude, man. I remember <laughs> seeing some of the footage of him um, scoring goals, and uh, you know that's when Benfica was great. You know, you know the the the, the cup final. You know the Manchester United games, and you know so. They have a lot to live up to, and um, it's whether or not they can find themselves in a position to kind of build teams that have the kind of characteristics that are going to give them success. It's it's not always easy because sometimes um, you know it's there are easier options elsewhere. There are better options, mm -hmm. you know. Um, I know a little bit about management because I went into management for a little while as well, um, you know, and, and it's very important to get the right mentors around the place, you know, um, and, and it's not it's not as straightforward as people think, you know, that side of the game, you know, um, sometimes the pressure's too much. I, I, look, I had it myself when I when I joined Leeds, and and for the first. You know, two, three, four months. I, 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 you know, I was struggling. I couldn't score. I wasn't scoring goals, and um, I used to get that horrible feeling when you're going into work and you don't like it. You know, in your gut. And I used to want to turn around, but you get through it. You know, you have to get through. It. You have to. You know, I, I told myself, it's what's the alternative? You gotta. It's like you know, if you you back an animal up against the wall, it's going to come out fighting, and that's what I had to do. You know. Yep. It's and 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 when you come through it, you you become a man. You become more, you know. Yep. Now, Brian, every little corner of the world, there's a Benfica fan. It seems at least like there's a Benfica fan. Have you ever been approached or recognized by by Benfiquista and, and maybe in the UK because there's a tremendous amount of them? Uh, you know, if and if you have, can you please share a little story about it? Yeah, no, I went to. Uh, I remember I went to Mexico on a holiday one time, <laughs> and um, I was I was having some food. And, you and the uh, food. You every time you're eating, Benfiquistas love to approach you. You can't eat. So so I'm in a restaurant and um, there was a um, there was a uh, there was a there was a family came and approached me and asked for their picture taken with me. Said, "Oh, excuse me, Mr. Dean, uh, can we have a picture?" I was like, I was so proud, you know, that I'd gone all the way to Mexico, and. This Benfica, you know, I, I couldn't. I would have stayed there all night. You know, you you don't understand, or people don't understand that. You know, for me, I'm just a normal person, and I was grateful. I I, I I was blessed to do something that I love doing. So to travel halfway around the world, and somebody appreciate what I was doing, and ask me for a picture, and you know, there'll be people there thinking, oh, "What's so special about him, or who is he, or whatever." 
I was milking it because, <laughs> <laughs> but, but it's true though. You know, I mean, and you're being I, humble. You're being humble. You're yeah. not a normal person. Normal people don't score against Sporting in Porto. Normal <laughs> people don't wear the month Sagrado. So you'll forever be idolized in our book, man. So you're yeah, not but, a normal guy. Yeah, but I mean, I, I, I grew up literally, you know, getting soccer magazines. We used to have a magazine called Roy of the Rovers. And my dream was being on a, there was a thing where they used to be on the back page that would say, sign please. So, you know, if it was Cyril Regis or somebody, you would. The, the thought was that you know, if you if you play if you played for your club, you would go and ask him to sign that picture. And I grew up thinking I want to be that guy. You know, it was you know, yeah. When I was when I was um, when we were playing, we never thought about financial security. It was just a dream to play football. And then obviously things change and you you know as you get older and you get into your 20s and so on you start thinking about okay i have a family or i have a situation i need to take care of and 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 that's it becomes different but you know football is is i grew up you know the, the 1978 world cup the 1982 world cup 1986 world cup I'm, I'm getting you know maradona and i'm thinking i want to be like these guys you know yeah. <laughs> no, that's awesome. Um Brian, talk to us about um uh, about your you the the company in which you're you're a founder and, and a co-founder and a chairman which is Phoenix Sports Media Group. And actually one of your partners is uh, Michael Thomas, also a, a a Benfica alumni. Yeah, um I I you know the the thing is is that when you come to the end of your career and you reflect and and there, there are some things that in hindsight you wish were in place. Um, and one of the things for us is that, you know, players are very ill prepared for what happens after football. Um, and, you know, while you're there, you're a gladiator, you're out there and everybody, you know, you, you, you get your 90 minutes and then, but what happens when you're away from there and, and, and for, for, for me, you know, in reflection, there was a lot of time where I could have done a lot more. I could have maybe studied. You know, you don't know at the time because realistically, the ki the, the, the the guys who were playing the games, they're, they're still kids and you're allowed to live this existence because all you're supposed to do is play football, train, buy a house, buy a car, spend money. You know, and it's, it's unrealistic because you never get exposed outside to what you're going to need from 35 onwards, you know? So part of what we do is we, we arrange um, to do things with the alumni and some of the younger players at these clubs so that they, to give them the skills, you know, money management, you know, it's, it's, it's basically a train training company where, you know, the, the clubs will, you know, we, we've, um, we've been doing some things with uh, Liverpool, for example, we were down at, um, thank you, dear. We're down at, um, we're down at um, Crystal Palace because Crystal Palace are a club that have said, you know, we want to look after our, um, you know, our young players coming through and give them second careers. And, and we've kind of, what, where we're focusing now is, is cyber, you know, so cyber and that kind of technology based um, careers as to, to move alongside football. So we, we are now looking to help train players, whether they're going to be a, a, a player for 20 years or whether they're going to be a player for two years. It's important because there's so many players that spat out of the system and um, yep. nobody really cares about them. You know, clubs don't care because, you know, if you think about a, a club's um and this isn't a bad thing, but I'm saying a club has to focus on what they're doing, which is um, developing footballers. You know, there is a huge gap um, in the in the background where you know if if players don't make it, they don't have a lot else. You know, and then you, you, we talk about mental health problems, mental yeah. health well-being. You know, it's important that it's not just it's not just people out there you know players have to cope I, i'll give you a funny story for example i remember i went away with some friends on holiday and we said 
how do you feel when you when you um, you know when you've had a bad game? And we all came to the same conclusions, and we said, you know, if if I'm driving in my car and somebody pulls up next to me, and I try not to get in the same eye line as them because, you know, I think they're going to think I'm rubbish. Or you know, when I go to the cash point, I put my hoodie up so that they don't recognise me. And 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 it's you know people will be surprised how fragile the confidence of players is, is you know um and all you know for me looking back and 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 i and i i sincerely wish that clubs had the skills to help these men evolve into people you know not just think about what they get on a saturday from these people it's up to you have to be um a person who wants to actually succeed in life though you know so that's part of what that's mm-hmm. that's basically the majority of what we do we we, we set up um, training courses looking after alumni we're yeah. involved in cyber um cyber security our, our business has kind of changed a little bit um i'm not going to sit here and tell you that i know a lot about cyber but you know it's a case of we we have this we have some very good connections and there is a there is a gap that we want to kind of make available, shall I say, um, to, you know, because w- when I'm talking about um, that side of it, it's, it's things like esports. It's about, you know, you can, you can train, um, you know, and you can, you can become somebody who can be a programmer and you can earn good money. You know, anybody can do it, you know, but I'm talking about looking after the football community. Because no one really cares about, you know, the football community as such. You know, people just want, you know, it's like turnover. It's turnover. Football's about turnover, yep. turnover all the time. Yeah. We have to prepare these young people because they have a long time, um, you know, long time. A lot of people yeah. that watch these games, they think that footballers are robots. But I was always told as a young kid that football is 10% physical, 90% mental. I never understood that. But as you get old, you start understanding a lot of it plays with your head. And so it's fantastic that you're taking the time out to educate and to support these athletes. You know, I mean, you know, props to you. Hats off. I think a lot of other people should do it as well. But, you know, in today's day and age, that mental aspect of things is starting to become a bigger puzzle, bigger piece of the puzzle. And so thank you for taking the time out to to address that. The name of. I I I think just on that, I don't think that people are as robust as they used to be, Mm -hmm. you know, Um, and and it's about adapting to what we have now, which is it's not always easy for guys like us, you know. I mean, I remember when I was when I was managing, and and um, I remember we lost the game, and after the game, I I tore into the team because that's what used to happen to me, and then. The next day, I had the next day I had the general manager pull me in and say, "Oh, you can't talk to the players like that." And I thought, you, you know, yeah, how, how are you going to get through to these players? It's war out there, you know. Yeah, yeah, it's war. Totally yeah. different. Yeah, Brian's company is Phoenix Sports Media Group. Um, yeah, check them out. Yeah, check them out. More companies like yours should exist throughout the football world to provide support outside of the the four lines for a lot mm-hmm. of players, young and old. Um, Brian, just to before I let you go, uh, wanted to uh, see if you could leave a message for the club and the fan base on your behalf for this 118th anniversary of Benfica. Well, I mean, what can I say? I mean, I, first of all, I'm very proud of my association with the club. I'm very proud that um, you know I'm, I'm viewed as 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 a part of the family, shall we say? Um, because you know, believe me. You know, it was it was an honour to kind of give it a hundred percent every time. You know, um, but I just you know they've just got to keep the faith. You know, the, you know they have to you know be realistic. You know, the the I think I would always say this about any of my clubs: as long as you give a transparent message to the fans, they can live with that. You know, 100%. you give it. You know, if you if you're if you're gonna say okay, we're gonna promise you the league when it's not attainable, then you're setting yourself up. So just give the fans an idea of what the long-term plan is and make them feel part of the journey, you know? And 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 I think that 
you know, the fans just want to feel part of the team. You know, and is a, is a is a club that can, you know, harness that quite easily. You know, and and um, you know, get the message out, the perception of the message that you want out there. But yeah, listen, I I, I would sincerely wish the the club the very best. I hope that. You know, I'm here in 118 years' time saying the same thing. Um, <laughs> can't see it, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you could you could follow Brian um, on Instagram at Brian underscore Dean. On Twitter, DinoBry1968 is where you can find and follow uh, Brian Dean. Brian, from the bottom of our hearts, thank you very much as, as two guys that grew up watching you watching you play, uh, watching you become the, uh, part of that British armada with Scott Minto, Michael Thomas, Pembridge. Uh, it was it was all a, a real joy to, to, to watch. Uh, we do know that at that time, the club wasn't in the best position in terms of directive and, and money. But thank you for being part of, of the club. Thank you for giving it all. Uh, and, and really, thank you. Thank you for... for dignifying and respecting that that jersey it's a pleasure man I, i've still got my jerseys by the way you know, <laughs> I, I, going I, I was gonna say if you have an extra one send it over our way you know what i mean i'll wear it probably <laughs> <look>. happen. <laughs> hey listen I, I gotta shoot my shot i gotta shoot my shot listen it's like i said to you guys right i have a i have a four-year-old boy yeah and one day i'm not gonna be here and um it's important he knows who his daddy was. Absolutely. Yeah, you know, absolutely. You know. Well said, my friend. Well said. Thank you very much well, for, Brian, for, for thank you. taking the time out, man. We wish you all the best of luck. Continue success in everything you do off the field. Hopefully, if you get back into coaching, continue success in that as well. Um, and you'll always, you're always going to have fans here on Bifica uh, Independent. We're always going to remember you. Um, and so, as Alfredo said before, thank you, thank you, thank you so very much for dignifying our, our camisola the way you did. So. Yeah, I love you guys, man. Take care. Thank yeah. you, Brian. Brian. Take care, man. Bye. Take care. Take Bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.